You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another edition of the Helium Boys podcast, a serious, non-serious USC podcast. I'm your host, Shotgun Spratling, along with my co-host, Chris Trevino, who has made it back from Disneyland in the rain today. Chris, we got to start with that. How was your experience? Because I feel like that could go one of two ways. It could mean either, hey, there's no lines, you're getting to ride all the rides, or you get drenched and it sucks. Specifically, I want to say I was at California Adventure, still part of Disneyland, but just did the one park. And yes, it actually worked out because while there wasn't no lines, the lines were cut down because of the rain in the morning. But obviously, we know in L.A. when the rain happens, you get that beautiful sky, wash it out, all the smog. So lots of pictures were taken, definitely cut down on the crowds. And yeah, I had a good time. I am tired, though, but I know you're tired as well. It's 1 a.m. in the morning. You came in with a lot of energy, Shotgun. I'm just trying to I'm trying to just trying to match it throughout the rest of this podcast. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get I'm just trying to survive this podcast, Shotgun. I, I'll just say it like that. Hey, Chris, I'm just flowing right now. The men's basketball team just picked up a win. They finally played well on offense. We'll see if they can start playing better on defense because that's still a big issue. We'll have a triple-double podcast a little bit later this week, hopefully, um, to get back into the groove a little bit now that we're past the – the Christmas holidays, the Hanukkah holidays, the New Year's holidays, all those. We're now into 2024. This is the first, I think this is the first USCfootball.com podcast of 2024. Correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. Um, you know, the Peristyle podcast, family of shows. We have so many great shows. Make sure you're subscribed and checking all those out from the two-star composites with Chris and Gerard talking recruiting to the Peristyle podcast with Ryan talking with Harvey Hyde, with other guests along the way, as well as the couple that I'm on here with the Helium Boys and the Triple Double. And then you got to watch the Tunnel Vision live shows, of course, too. But Chris, let's jump into it. We haven't talked since the Holiday Bowl. We haven't even really had a great wrap-up. We did have a Tunnel Vision the day day after on a Thursday, but because of the bowl schedule, it was in the middle of the week. It's been almost a week since the Holiday Bowl, or has been a week now. 
Let's start with a two-minute drill. What do you want to tell me about your experience at the Holiday Bowl and what you thought of the Trojans coming out and getting uh, the big win, 42-28 over number 16, Louisville? Where's my time shotgun? Where's my time? You you can't. You're sloppy (laughs) in 2024. You you can't see, guys, but he just says go, and he does. Yeah, okay. Yeah, your time's going, Chris. Okay, well, that was a disaster. <laughs> but, yeah, speak for yourself, not a great wrap-up shotgun. Me and Connor crushed that incident analysis. I think people really felt our joy just getting able to talk about a really <laughs> impressive USC win. And this podcast will be interesting because we are talking about the Holiday Bowl. But every obviously everyone was super excited, USC fans, about, the, about this win and what it means for the future. Miller Moss and Jacoby Lane and all these things we're going to talk about. But it's nice to be able to take a step back. It's been a week. We have been able to digest what we saw in Petco Park. By the way, Petco Park, very nice venue to host a college football game. I think that was my first time ever covering a game in a MLB stadium. I'm sure Shotgun has been to Petco Park a couple times, maybe a few times. I don't know. He's nodding his head yes. But I thought it was very nice. My my family was worried that they had bad seats, but I don't think there's a bad seat when you're watching a football game in a baseball stadium. That was my takeaway from that. Shotgun would not have liked it down there because they were very uh, limiting on where you could shoot. You couldn't shoot on the far end zone to the left side on the TV screen. It was too narrow in there, the outfield wall, so you couldn't shoot from there. It, it, it was kind of a mess, but I got great video nonetheless. But my big takeaway I just wanted to put for this two-minute drill is that it was interesting because last season, after the the Cotton Bowl loss, you know, USC had the great season, one went away from the college World playoff. There was a lot of buzz, but it still felt like it was on a downtrend. You know, you mm-hmm. still had that that uh, collapse in the in the Cotton Bowl, and this time, you know, they had an eight and five record or seven and five record going into this game. Not a great season, didn't live up to expectations. But based on this Holiday Bowl, it definitely feels like they're on the upswing going to 2024, which should be an exciting season in the Big Ten. So it just I, I just look at that contrast of both of these seasons back to back. It's just very interesting to me. Oh. And I'm counting that. I'm counting that because you robbed me of those two Whoa. seconds. Whoa, you went two over the two seconds uh, there. Yeah, but, okay, uh, let the record show that he didn't turn the thing around until two seconds had already gone by. Let the and you record still went show. 204. You still went 204 there, Chris. Let, let me let the record show. This is off to a great start, by the way. <laughs> um, but Shotgun, I hope you're ready for your time on the clock because it starts right now. I'm going to start where you left off, Chris, and I think you're absolutely right. It's a different feel coming out of or going into this offseason than it was last year. And that's it's very interesting how much the bowl game really impacts that. And everyone talks about how bowl games don't matter anymore unless you're in the college football playoff, you know, and it's been into 12 games. What are the rest of the games going to matter? I, I think you see what can matter. One, I think we saw this team come together. It looked like a completely different team. Now, Lincoln Riley described it as a one-off team, and I think that's probably pretty accurate. This is not the team you're going to see the next season. It's not the team you saw all season, but it's a great stepping stone if it's, you know, if it's kind of the whatever spring season or, you know, the in in-season tournament for the NBA, whatever it is, whatever's a little bit different. I think it's a great springboard to that 2024 season just because you saw what this team is capable of and you saw them come together. 
where has that been all year? That was the big question for me coming out of it is this team played for each other. This team looked like they wanted to win for the person beside them. Whereas at times during the season, we didn't necessarily see that, especially when things started, you know, going downhill in that last six games of the season, it, it felt like, Things started weighing on players' shoulders, and that was the you know the pressure of the season and everything else. This team played different in this game. Um, you know they didn't play with any pressure. They played balls to the wall the entire time. Played a little Yolo ball. Miller Moss threw the ball up a couple times and let guys like Jacoby Lane go make a play. Um, and that's something we hadn't seen all season. And I think the team really responded well to whatever the coaching staff did throughout the offseason. Uh, so I, I thought that that's the big takeaway for me is that this team is heading in a different direction than it was last year. Last year, it's like, oh, we just, we just cleaned these certain things up. We can be back to being good. This year, it's they're on the right trajectory. They're looking to have fun in this offseason going forward. Shotgun, shotgun. Not not a great start to the new year. You went to the four-second oh, mark. I went to Did the four-second oh, mark because you went to the four-second mark. That is fair. It is 2024, so maybe they'll let us slide. Maybe Two they'll let us slide. See, and four seconds, 24. Two there minutes we go. and four seconds. There we go. There we go. We can wrap <laughs> the podcast up, Shotgun. That's it. We got the perfect wrap of everything. Thank you. I'm Chris. I didn't do anything. Shotgun, take it away. End this, end this podcast. I don't think we're going to go off that quick, Chris. Okay, I might have okay. I might have a thing or two to say. I mean, these stock up, stock down lists are pretty long. So uh, yeah. let's start with you. What do you got stock up? Yeah, I don't think we need to go like I read all mine, then you read all yours. I think we just have a, kind of like a conversation about it. Jump in where you want, kind of jump in, add your own, whatever. Obviously, I, I, li- I like how I'm hosting and you're changing the rules. Look, I'm I'm you 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 set the the standard, you set the tone for this podcast. So we're just going off what that start was for this pod. Um I know we're going to talk about Miller Moss, but I don't want to start there because if you're not talking about Miller Moss, you're talking about Jacoby Lane from this game. I'm I'm giving my first stock to the big pogo stick Jacoby Lane. This is a guy we heard about making plays when he arrived in the summer. You know, we couldn't obviously watch practice, but there was buzz around Jacoby Lane. Obviously, this was a guy who needed to add more mass to his frame. He's still wiry. He's still lengthy. And, you know, he needs to add more of that uh, strength and size to his frame going into, you know, the Big Ten physical cornerback, college cornerbacks. But my God, Jacoby Lane was the star, not named Miller Moss, for the offense. He had three catches for 60 yards and two scores. Two touchdowns on three three receptions, shotgun, and the one right before halftime, and then that beautiful ball he made up in the end zone there on the right side, right in front of me, over two defenders there. He just made it look so easy. And then his other big catch was for a big third down where he was sliding back, very oh. smooth. Yeah, yeah, shotgun just exclaimed there. That is the opposite when, when someone drops the ball and shotgun goes, catch the damn ball. That was the opposite of what uh, I'm sure he, I don't know what that is, that sound he makes when someone makes an impressive catch like that, but I'm sure he was getting that from shotgun Jacoby Lane all over the field, making those plays. You know, this was a guy we saw building momentum going into the final two games of the year with all those snaps he was picking up against UCLA and then down there in uh, Austin for Oregon. And the buzz was building. We saw him stay after, late after practices here in December uh, for bowl prep, and it just felt like something was coming either between him 
or Deuce Robinson. Deuce had a you know a good huge touchdown play, but Jacoby Lane was the star of that offensive unit. And for anyone not named Miller Moss, and this future is very bright for him. And I told Connor this after he was just having fun out there. It didn't even seem like he was. I don't want to say locked in, but it's like he doesn't know how good he can be. He's just a fun. <laughs> attitude loving guy making jokes just bouncing all around you know when he gets you know that that maturity you know finally clicks with all his talent and he gets that size added he's going to be an absolute monster he is a baby monster right now but he will be an absolute monster when you know that when it all comes together for these guys as they you know grow and mature through the through the college ranks yeah, what's really interesting is uh, you mentioning his personality is the diversity of personality between those four freshman receivers. Like they're all different in their own way. They're all different yeah. receivers too, but just their personalities. Like Jacoby is just is always having fun, big smile on his face all the time. Deuce is probably he's he's a perfectionist. He's too tough on himself, I think, at times, and I think that gets he gets into his head a little bit. And you saw the relief come out after the touchdown, after he had dropped that ball early in the game. Uh, whereas Zachariah Branch, fun-loving, always has a smile on his face as well. Um, but he he's just – the work ethic is what stands out to me with him. You see that even with his academics, you know, having the 4.0 that he posted on social media. Um, and, and then Makai Lemon – is just a dog. He's a grinder. Like he's just like ferocious at all times. It feels like, like every time you see him in a a competitive situation, like he's trying to take somebody's head off. And that's interesting how those guys and how they act together. And it's fun watching them kind of interact and stuff. And I wish we got to see a little bit more practice to see those type of things and how those guys interact with some of the older players and, and you know, how they, because sometimes that can come off in a in a way where veterans, you know, your veteran cornerbacks or something. And just like, why is this young pup? constantly bouncing around all over like mm-hmm. it's two a days type of you know it's the dog days of fall camp or whatever um that's more in the nfl than necessarily in, in college but you still do have some kind of that dichotomy when it's you know a 17 18 year old versus a 23 24 year old nowadays um so you know it, it's fun seeing that that interesting and i would kind of give the entire freshman group you know stock up they got a ton of playing time in this game and they each shine in different ways uh, Zachariah Branch had, you know, nearly broke another punt return. He also was open, could have been, had two touchdowns himself. Miller Moss missed him on that one. That's something, I bet you that's a route they'll work on because it was the same route twice. It was kind of a deep crossing over route uh, on a, you know, kind of a deep post type of, of, of run from one side of the field to the other. And Miller Moss had him both times uh, and just di- didn't get it out there for him. So I think that'll probably be a play. They're like, all right, let's run that one again an extra 10 times after every summer workout or whatever, uh, or off-season workout. Uh, but but Deuce having a touchdown, uh, I thought Makai really sparked the offense because it was very oh. kind of herky-jerky early. The three and out, Miller Moss nearly gets picked off on the third down early. Deuce doesn't catch the third down catch, and when they finally drive the ball a little bit. So I think Makai kind of got him going with that big catch over the middle on that third down really Kind of sparked him, let it, or I think it was a second down, but get him going. So I agree with the with Jacoby. I thought he was fantastic, and the best catch was the one that wasn't a touchdown. Uh, you, you know, when guys drop the ball, I'm, you you do hear me on the sidelines when we're near each other saying, "Catch the ball, come on!" Well, either either team, it's just my my biggest pet peeve. But when someone makes a catch, like ooh, that's usually the sound that comes out. It's a little bit ooh, okay. I see what you're working with there, Jacoby, because he saved Miller Moss on that one. That was a throw behind him, and that is the type of catch where your quarterback comes up to you like, appreciate you. I got you next time. I, I'm going to throw that ball a... up the, the, you know, in the end zone. 
I'm going to give you a chance now because you just say me on one. Let me go give you an opportunity. And, you know, he, he got the, the touchdown before half and then a beautiful throw. Uh, and that was more of a kind of throw up, uh, throw the ball up and let Jacoby go make a play. He had a little bit of position. Miller shows a little bit of a looseness in the pocket. He's not Caleb Williams, but he moved a little bit, showed he can do that. And then a guy right in his face throws off platform and throws it up and gives his wide receiver a chance to go make the play. And then the last one was just a beautiful throw. And Jacoby Lane beat the defense and beat two guys, and no one was coming down with that ball besides Jacoby Lane because of where it was placed. So, yeah, his his night in those three plays, I think, really stood out of what he's capable of, but also what Miller Moss is capable of, too. Is that the segue to Miller Moss? Because we know we're going to talk about it. He's going to be the focal point of this episode, one way or another, Shotgun. So so I tried to mix it up, and I said people rooting for Miller Moss. Mm-hmm. Because we had a lot of people, you know, you have people on the message board, so I'm like, I got to get Will Hart. They got to get him. Like, oh, no, no, no. Gotta go, go get Cam Ward. Got to get. Now suddenly it's like, eh. They need to add a transfer quarterback. Yeah, they got to have some more depth. But if we don't get Will Howard, it's okay. We got Miller Moss. We don't get Cam Ward, it's okay. We got Miller Moss. Now, Cam Ward is off to the NFL, and Will Howard is looking more and more likely to go somewhere else. And I think people, instead of freaking out and saying the offseason, this is going to be a terrible 2024 season, people have hope going forward. So I also had... Next nine ho- months for USC fans, that's a stock up and hope because now there's some hope after seeing what this team could do and what Miller Moss could do leading the way. Yeah, I think that was the best message, or not the best message, but the message at the end of my final Ghost Notes game day for the season is that Miller Moss and this team gave USC fans the best gift they could give, which was hope going into this offseason. I know there was a little bit of hope already, you know, with the new defensive coaching staff with Danton Lynn and the new coaches they were bringing in to overhaul that defense. Yes, a little bit of hope there, but you were losing a Heisman winner and some question marks across the board on offense. But what Miller did on the field and led the team and the whole team unifying, you're right, stock up on hope. I also had that on my list. I also had the stock up for the young skill players, as you talked about. So, just a lot of good vibes going into the offseason. Obviously, USC still has a lot of things to address over the next several months. And obviously, we're going to have fun talking about that over the next several months and talking about Miller Moss and the QB competition and new transfers and overhauling defense and all those things. Still questions to be to be answered, but still, it's going to be a a less uh, it's going to be a more fun offseason, especially with going to the Big Ten that big schedule, and then obviously a potentially monster star quarterback in Miller Moss, you know, we'll have to keep following that. It's just one start. It's just one performance, mm-hmm. but my God, was it great. So that, that'll that be fun to track over the offseason. And I know USC fans will be locked in and more tied in now that they have potentially the next guy in line already on the roster in Miller Moss. And they're going to be excited to root for him and push for him. What stood out to you most about Miller Moss's performance? I mean, the numbers are the pop for sure. 372 yards, what, six touchdowns, uh, you know, an interception, but bounced back from it. So what kind of stood out to you the most? Um, was it something he did or was it just kind of the unity of everyone playing behind him? I think that could be something else that could, could stand out for sure. Yeah, I think more. it's more something I saw on the sideline and then 
more of the statistical point because I did bring up Miller Moss under pressure was very good against the blitz. He was uh, and shout out to triple double for posting these numbers. But against the blitz, he was 10 of 11 for 210 yards. And then under pressure, he was five of seven for 149 yards and three touchdowns. Those are very good numbers against a very good Louisville defense which, you know, was pretty much intact. You know, it, it, it did not get hit with a bunch of uh, opt-outs for this bowl game. So that was a – I'm not saying that's like an elite top 10 defense, but that was still a top 30, 35, 25, whatever you want to call it, Louisville defense. So I think that is something – just the way he played under pressure and not being considered an especially mobile guy, but he is elusive. So I got to give him shout-outs for, for one of the biggest stats you can have as a QB is being good under fire, under pressure when those guys are coming after you in the pocket. And then I also had stock up on just Miller Moss's sideline because I was down there and, yeah, what you mentioned, the whole team was, like, around him. This was his team, and I even tweeted that out. You know, this is Miller Moss's team. I think it was after his third touchdown. This is – this is Miller Moss's team. Good luck taking it from him. You know, he was up and down the sidelines. That was his sideline. Shotgun, that was his sideline. He was going up to guys. He was hyping them up after good plays. I, you know, just, I don't want to say cliche, but, you know, the things you see quarterbacks do, good quarterbacks do, those, you know, maybe the Hollywood portrayal of a quarterback, going up to everyone after the game or after on after a series and, you know, going into the offensive line, Barking at them in a positive way. I put this in one of my ghost notes, but you know, we came up to the offensive line after one particularly good touchdown drive. I don't remember exactly which one it is, but you know, he lot. said, I prom there are a lot, there are a lot. He said, I promise you they can't effing stop us. I promise you they can't effing stop us. And you know, telling that to an offensive line group, you know, I'm sure that's you know great fuel to their already fire of momentum burning for that offense. So yeah, Miller Moss leadership on that sideline was uh elite, stupendous. It was fun to watch. 372 yards, six touchdowns with really not much of a running game. You know, kind of non-existent besides the big run from Austin Jones late, really didn't do anything in the run game. They didn't really try to run a ton, and when they did, they didn't really do much with it. They would get a couple of yards. You know, it wasn't a ton of lost yardage in the run game. They would get some yards. They'd get two or three, four yards, but they weren't getting past the second level. They weren't getting those blocks at the second level to, to, to push on. So that's really impressive numbers, right? How about comparing it with Florida State's backup? They just played Florida State, Louisville, same defense, because Louisville did not have any opt-outs. They didn't have any big injuries that, that I know of. You know, and now granted, Brock Glenn – this is a third-string quarterback for Florida State versus their second string. But compare that, you know, a, a backup throwing his first start. Brock Lynn, the same thing for Florida State. He threw for 55 yards. He was 8 of 21. He had averaged 2.6 yards per pass. And that's with the running game running for 160 yards, you know, and then relying on the run game a lot more. So there should have been play-action passes. There should have been a lot more. So I, I think that shows you now, one, Glenn's a younger guy. I don't want to – you know, uh, denigrate him at all. Miller Moss, the older guy. This is a backup being thrown in his first start, and that's what he did. This is a good defense. It's not a great defense, not top 10, 
but it is a good defense to maybe even really good if you want to throw it up there. Maybe it's somewhere in between right there. But this is a top 40, top 50 defense, and he diced them up. Now, give a lot of credit to Lincoln Riley as well. I thought the play calling was, was fantastic, especially early to gain him some confidence. So that first drive, a little shaky. Second drive, still a little shaky. But then you saw him continue to start to grow uh, from there. And I think the most impressive thing to me was after the interception. You have a complete opportunity to absolutely take control of the game, go up by three scores. You throw an interception, just run nearly all the way back. They end up punching it in a few plays later, 60-something yard return. When you're on the goal line, that's a goal line intercept. Those are such game changers. Huge interceptions like that. Think of maybe nearly Mekhi, a pick six. Yeah, think of Makai Blackman against Stanford. You know, those ones at the goal line just change the complete trajectory of a game, especially if you return it. You know, think of how many times you see a either a fumble return at the goal line or an interception just completely flip a game. The momentum absolutely changes. And the momentum changes right there. Louisville goes in, punches it in, they're back within a score. They get a stop. The momentum is all theirs. People start worrying on the USC sideline. People in the stands start worrying. Miller Moss was not phased. Now, I think that was actually when the Jacoby Lane, somewhere in that that, drive, that next drive is when that catch happened, that sliding catch behind him, which is why it was so impressive, because they hit that one and another third down on that drive, and that was Miller Moss. Now, he didn't make a great throw in the lane when he did on the other third down, but kept the drives moving and answered on third down over and over when you go first start, oh, I just do a pick, you get in your own head, you make one bad throw. It helps the Jacoby Lane saved him on one of them, but then from there he just he just got better and better and better, and you saw that confidence grow in him. But the way he bounced back was the most impressive thing to me in that game because that shows you the moxie. That shows you the ability to not fold. How many times have we seen – we've seen really good players over the years at USC fold. And it's a product of the culture that has been at USC for a decade. But you have those dogs that this don't, you know, Sue Cravens type of guys. Those guys don't, don't fold no matter what the pressure is, no matter what the situation is. Um, you know, Miller Moss didn't fold. And I thought that was the most impressive thing because we didn't know. He hadn't started a game in four years. And I really like Miller. I, you know, I, I've known him since, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. When he came to USC camp, I had no clue who he was. He threw a ball, and I said, that floppy-haired kid over there, uh, the ball comes off his hand really well. I don't know who he is. Let's find out type of thing. And then saw him at a camp a couple weeks later, and then you know the recruitment starts picking up and stuff from there, and you get to know him and all those type of things. And you know, it's been a long journey since then. And for him, he hasn't played in it. I've seen him play in high school. I've seen him play in seven-on-seven. Seven, but that's nothing compared to playing in a bowl game, even if it's a – if you want to call it a throwaway bowl game because it's not in the college football playoff. He went out and made his mark. And this the most that's the most impressive part. And the most satisfying part of it is knowing his backstory and knowing that he grew up the first game being, you know, him – uh, watching USC demolish Illinois in a Rose Bowl. Uh, that was his first USC memory. And I think it was John David Booty or Mark Sanchez, one of those guys. And from there, you know, that led and started his USC fandom. A huge fan growing up, dream school, all that stuff. Got his degree, did everything the right way, and Caleb and Jackson Dart beats him out. Did everything the right way, Caleb Williams comes in and starts over him. 
and to finally get his opportunity and he made the most of it. So that was really satisfying to watch a really cool uh, situation there. Uh, but uh, you know, the, but still the most impressive thing was how he bounced back from it and made the most of it. So uh, I, hats off to Miller Moss will be really interesting to see if he wins the job going forward, who's to compete with him in the spring. If they can bring somebody in, you know, what, what's going to happen there and you know, how teams adjust, you know, cause that'll be the next step. One game, you can surprise some teams. You can do some things get away with some things a little bit more than, Hey, you get into that, the meat of your conference schedule. Now teams got a little bit more of an understanding of what you're capable of, uh, what you're going to try to do, what Lincoln Riley's going to try to do with you at quarterback, those type of things. And, you know, can you make those adjustments as the season progresses? I look forward to seeing it happen because, you know, I'm rooting for Miller Moss for sure. Like I said, one of my favorite kids that, that I've covered. And, you know, it, it's, it's great to see him get that opportunity and run with it. I'm going to sort of throw multiple out in one sort of because I feel like they all kind of play into each other. First, I want to stock up on the tackling by the defense, you know, probably. I mean, I can I'm going to say it. Maybe shotgun will back me up, but maybe their best tackling performance of the season. I believe there was only six missed tackles per shotgun tweeted it out per profootballfocus.com. I don't know if those numbers were updated, but I got to go up on the tackling. I got to go up on Taylor Mays, interim defensive back coach and USC secondary, which kind of spearheaded that improved tackling effort across the defense. And to do it as a very depleted secondary, there were only seven scholarship defensive backs healthy for this game. That's including safeties and cornerbacks. There are only two true cornerbacks that had played cornerback with Prophet Brown, Jacoby Covington. Tracon Figgis was listed as a cornerback, but he played more nickel safety this year than anything. So to do that with the numbers that they had was just impressive. And Taylor Mays taking over safeties, taking over cornerbacks as well when Dante Williams left in the middle of December. I mean, just hats off to him. And I'm not going to be shocked if he is a full-time assistant somewhere Maybe this offseason, hopefully they can keep him around for another year and maybe find a sp- spot for him on their on their roster as a full-time coach. But he's going to he's going to get scooped up at some point or another. So I got to give a shout out to all three of those those aspects, which I feel kind of tie into one for the defense. Yeah, Taylor Mays on mine as well. Uh, one guy that I thought stood, I mean, Jalen Smith had a tremendous game. I didn't even put him on stock up. I mean, career high 12 tackles. He was fantastic. Profit Brown was fantastic. You know, with both of those guys, the tackling in the open field, and that's something USC struggles so much with. And they were game, you know, or not game changing, but at least momentum changing, drive changing. There was one segment where there were those two guys both had open field tackles. One was like a four yard gain, and one of them was like a two yard gain when Louisville's backed up a little bit. If they give up a couple more yards on those, Louisville's going for it on fourth down. Instead, they punt on their own 36 yard line. And I think USC goes and drives down and scores on the next drive, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but those are the type of tackles that are change things. Whereas you think back to USC playing Arizona State and you miss two tackles on a play that they're just tossing the ball out to Scadabo and he takes to the house and suddenly it's a completely different game the rest of the way. 
you know, if you make one tackle there, I think that was right before halftime. I'm getting all my games mixed up a little bit in my head, but um, you know, just those completely big momentum changers, you just shut that down with the open field tackling. So they had six missed tackles this game, four or more by one player. So they only had three guys miss tackle the entire game. I think that's super impressive. Um, you know, I thought the entire second game was really good. I thought Anthony Beaver stood out to me. I said before the game, you know, I think Connor put out a list of some guys he thought he was looking forward to seeing get some extra playing time. I said, watch out for Anthony Beavers. I think he can make the most of some opportunities and had the big punch, looked like he was on, had been on the heavy bag at the boxing gym um, to to force the fumble late in the game. But I thought he, he did really well. Uh, they played him and they, they rotated him with Bryson Shaw a little bit, but he got the majority of the snaps there. And, you know, I, I thought the entire second day played pretty well. You know, they, they gave up a couple of catches and stuff, but Prophet Brown and Jacoby Covington looked like they could be your starting cornerbacks going forward. Like both of them looked really good in that game. The I think Prophet Brown gave up a couple of short catches. Jacoby Covington, I don't remember him giving up much of anything. He looks like an NFL dude out there in that game. If he can stay healthy, he has that potential. He's the guy that I thought was going to come out of last year and it built some momentum at the end of the year. I thought – you know, we were going into the spring the entire time, and you know, I kept saying, "No, oh, Jacoby Covington is going to be one of the starters for sure," and it never played out that way. And I was really, really kind of surprised by that. So, would like to see him healthy and see how he can build off of. You know, again, he had a great end of the season last year. Can he build off of it going into twenty twenty four this year? Because if so, I think he's got he's got NFL potential there. He could be a lockdown guy. Could be that senior guy that they've had the last two years in Makai Blackman and Christian Roland Wallace. They just brought him in as a transfer a couple years earlier than, you know, just a one-year guy this time. But, yeah, all those guys kind of stood out for sure. I got a couple of quick ones that I'll throw out at you. Um, Kobe Pepe, Carson Tabarachi, both those guys got extended playing time, so stock up on them. Neither one of them did much in the game. I thought Tabarachi, the catch and run, I thought was really impressive. That's something we haven't seen much from USC, tight ends, the catch and run. The tight end blocking was not very good in this game. They've got to get that figured out, whether it's Lake McCree, whether it's finding somebody else. That's a big component when I talked about the run game not really getting going and doing much is getting that second level is those tight ends have to get that block. And there were times, at least early in the game, I'm watching with, with Kate Eldridge and Tabarachi both in there, and one of them misses a block and it just kind of blows the play up. And the tight ends, if they want this offense to, to run full throttle and they want a tight end to be on the field, those guys got to block a little bit better. But I thought the catch and run was really nice from him. And getting seeing him getting some extra playing time, remember, he's a converted uh, fullback our full linebacker who played, I believe, running back in high school. So not like it's a brand, I mean, not like it's a ingrained position to him either being there. So those couple guys, uh, just playing time wise, Elijah Page also getting his first opportunity. I thought he had some ups and downs, but definitely much more positive and, you know, bright spot for going forward. Uh, the potential of him being the left tackle. And then 1K Club Taj. How about Taj Washington getting that 1K club and, and doing it in a pretty pretty nice fashion there with the the 29 yard touchdown catch over a over a defender mossing somebody? I was saving Taj Washington as my final stock up just because oh. I wanted to bring it full circle for that. But I also had before I go into my Taj flowers for him, I just wanted to say stock up as well for Elijah Page. You know the big freshman starting at left tackle and just that new look offensive line in general they played really really well together jonah kicking into guard which you know some people think is his natural position for the nfl i would agree with that so they just look great and usc does have 
a bunch of questions to answer on the offensive line for the Big Ten season, but at least they got Elijah Page, you know, which is who's looking like a cornerstone for them potentially at left tackle, some key experience and against a good defense in Louisville. So to get his feet wet in that in that situation against a good defense was great for them to get him out there. I know they probably wish they probably could have got a lot Alani Noah some more opportunity in that game, but Elijah Page, I think, is a guy you really needed to get uh some some more experience. I believe he only played in four games going into this uh this game and none of those were close to the opportunity had that he had in the holiday bowl. And then, yeah, Taj Washington, I tweeted out before the game, you know, this was the number one thing I wanted to see above all the storylines going into this game. You know, obviously I wanted to see Miller Moss, see how he did want to see those young skilled players, yada, yada, yada guys with opportunities. Number one thing I had to see, I just wanted Taj Washington to get 37 yards. I I don't know how it was going to happen. You know, I thought maybe it was going to be kind of a grind like it was in the UCLA game. So he just needed 87, I think, of that game only, and he finished with like 40 or something. I, I thought I thought it was going to be a struggle, but man, he came out hot with that first touchdown. I was like, okay, he's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. And then to get it all in one there, I think he only needed 16, got 29, and then to get it on the touchdown, you know, I think that's just perfect for him. Just a guy who, you know, doesn't get the accolades and the praise that some of the other guys or other receivers that have been on this team with him. But Taj Washington, a quintessential Trojan, you know, coming over through the transfer portal. I think a lot of people maybe forget that. He was he was on that first Graham Harrell offense team with Clay Helton, stuck around, you know, saw the opportunity to play in the Lincoln Riley offense and just got better and better and better. And I, I pegged him as a thousand yard receiver going to the season. So I'm, I'm patting myself on the back. I believed in Taj and chef Taj delivered. He served up a thousand yards for this offense. And, you know, I'm really happy that he got that, you know, I, I above anything, I am just happy that he was able to go out with that. Cause you know, he's, he would be the first to admit, you know, I, I cared more about the win, but he was, honest and say you know he has been thinking about that he really wanted that that career mark which you know it says says a lot for a receiver this would be his first one too so be able to get it in his final game as a trojan on that play and he finished with 99 so he way smashed it but two scores as well it it was a it was a beautiful night for him and you know that offense in general yeah, I thought it was great for him to to be able to do that. Um, and then, you know, he didn't even change out of his clothes and he continued to play the rest of the game. I don't know. Some some other players might have, uh, you know, got their record and then disappeared. Um, I think we saw that in the bowl series season somewhere else uh, where a player got a record and was like, all right, got it. Cool. I'm changing out, coach. Appreciate you. I'm good. I'm going to protect this draft stock now. But we expect Taj to get an opportunity in the pros all the work he's done on special teams, being a gunner on the punt coverage unit, all those type things are going to pay off for him. Teams are going to see that. He's going to be coveted. I don't know where he'll get drafted. You know, I expect he will later in, the, in day three. But if he doesn't, he will definitely get 
multiple looks. He'll have his pick of teams, um, you know, if he's an undrafted free agent uh, after the draft. So, you know, wish him the best of luck. He, he's been tremendous and, you know, fought through injuries at, at times and stuff and always played. He was always in the game. And like Lincoln Riley said, he had no doubt he, that Taj Washington was going to play in that game. And he went out and balled, you know, made some people look silly on that first touchdown catch. A little bit behind him, Miller Moss, you know, but put him out there, gave him a chance, and he said, whoop. And then he said, whoop. And then he said, all right, I'll take my TD here for six. And then, you know, the next catch he has goes over 1,000 yards. Really cool. You only played 29 snaps in this, so a little bit more than half. But they wanted to get those young guys plenty of opportunities, and they did. So Taj got his, got him some targets early. I think the first throw of the game was to him. And then got him, made sure that it was happening, which showed me Lincoln Riley knew. Lincoln Riley wanted him to get that too. He wanted to show not just, you know, and that's a recruiting tool too going forward. Um, and but he wanted to do it for Taj. And you could see the love, uh, you know, through the broadcast. I'm sure you saw it on the sideline, the love for him when he did get that one. Uh, you know, everyone going crazy there for him. The last one I had was a little bit similar vein, but the seniors, the guys that are departing, including Taj Washington, he's a fifth year guy, but the seniors going out with a W been so long for that for USC either guys losing in the 2020 Pac-12 championship or at home that was devastating to players losing you know the cotton bowl the way they lost it last year or just not even getting to a bowl game because of the two terrible seasons in between it's been since 20 what 17 I think it was the last bowl game that USC won Rose Bowl um yeah so nobody was on that team so everyone that's on this team, none of them had had that had had that uh, experience of winning a bowl game. At least none of the you know guys that were high school recruits for USC, and even some of the, the guys like Keon Bars was talking about how it's his first first ever bowl game win. So he was super excited. So to see those seniors get to go out with a win, you know, it's, it's always tough at the end of the year. And I'm disappointed I wasn't able to go because I always want to be there for that last experience with guys that we've known for. You know, six years, seven, eight years, some of them, guys that have been, you know, covered in the, during the recruiting. So the Justin Dietches, and, you know, if this is Jonah Monheim's last game, you know, I've been covering him since going to more park games to go see Drake London. So, you know, I would like to have been there for that final game to, you know, give him one last dap and, you know, congratulate him on the win and that type of thing. Uh, just because we've seen that whole trajectory, the whole progression of their career to see them get that and that the smiles when you go out with a win are so different. Uh, then when you conclude your season, your career on a disappointing uh, mark or even devastating mark like last year or the 2020 Pac-12 championship. So, you know, it was really fun to see those guys when they show the celebration and Lincoln getting eggnogged and all that type of stuff, all the big smiles from those older guys that we've known for, you know, five, six years now. So that was really cool. I think I'll use that, what you were talking about there, because I kind of had something in a similar vein but I had it in the stock down because, you know, I'd like to do my twist. So I think that'll play into stock down. I had stock down on the quote, bowl games don't mean anything. Because if you were on that field, you wouldn't be thinking that if you saw all the emotion coming out for the players, especially those older players who, you know, we've had to be on the sidelines with those losses when the, the final scoreboard is up there and USC's on the losing end. And you see those tears on the bench. You see that emotion. But, man, it, it feels good to cover a team that gets to go out with the win. 
And I know a lot of people say, you know, bowl games don't matter. Bowl games don't matter. Well, I think it should be clarified to bowl games don't matter to you, the ones saying that. But to them, to those kids playing on the field, it means something and it matters to them. And you can see that in their emotions out on the field. There was such a cathartic release from this team, just a really frustrating season and some emotional losses and be able to go out and win, like you said, for the Justin Dietis's for the Max Williams, for those guys that we covered a long time that have never had a bowl win. Austin Jones have never had a bowl win. You know, to be able to go out with a win, it just feels nice. No one wants to go out on a lost shotgun. Nobody. But and, and not a lot of people get to go out on a win, no matter what it is, you know, small or big, national championship or the Cheez It Bowl or whatever. Going out with a win just feels nice. Just feels nice. So yeah, I, I have stocked down on the phrase bowl games don't mean anything. Yeah, I, you know, I did not play Division One college football, but I know that experience of that last game. We, we My high school team, we got the shit beat out of us our final game. Uh, we played the number one team in the state, and they walloped us really nice. And it was a nice two-hour bus ride back. That was the final high school game for me. Basketball, same thing. Lost a heartbreaking game. Baseball. You know, our senior year of high school didn't make it. But in college, got to walk off as a champion. And it is such a different feeling. And the party that night is so different. (laughs) (laughs) When everybody wants to be there and hang out with you, too, because you just won. We won our conference on our home field. So, uh, you know, we were able to have a big house party afterwards. And security was all cool with it. Those are the best times. That's, That's what college is all about, in my opinion having a great time and being able to, you know, you you learn as you go through college, you experience the, the negatives, you experience the highs. So great to see them do that. And I think I mentioned this on the podcast earlier this season or somewhere, but I had a player earlier this season, a veteran player. I randomly ran into him on, on campus and this player knows, you know, that I've been traveling back and forth and he apologized to me. He said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you know, for the way they played basically. And that, that I'm coming back, flying back and forth, and they're not playing up to the expectation that they had for the season. So to see those guys smiling at the end of the game, it does mean a little bit more in that regard. So uh, it, it was definitely fun to see that. So, you know, I know you're doing your, your tricks with your stock downs because you don't ever like to say anything negative. So I'll, I'll throw out one positive that, in my, that is in my stock down was yards after contact. You, you mentioned um, the – the missed tackles were limited. You know, Mason Cobb had four of the team six and actually did finish second in the nation um, to Troy's Jordan Stringer. That's got to get cleaned up next year. But I thought the tackling was really strong in that one. And I think that was a great stepping stone game going into the offseason of what they can can become. And to do it and say, look, we can put that bad tackling behind us. Look what we just showed Let's work towards it, you know, do all the things that they have to do, do all the fundamentals. And they look like a team that focused on fundamentals during that lead up. And then again, we don't get to watch practice to, you know, give you guys that real insight of what they have been doing, versus what they haven't been doing, and has that translated versus has it not. But they look like a team that went back to work on the fundamentals and look how well it paid off as far as the tackling goes. So yards after contact was definitely stocked down. We're just going to kind of run through mine because I don't have a ton, but I do have stock down on sort of tight end experience for 2024. You know, one of the 
the hits USC took going into this game was the loss of Lake McCree to a knee injury, which I reported on uh, the peristyle, but it is a significant knee injury that I'm told, and it'll probably cost him his 2024 season going into next year, the Big Ten. And that's going to leave USC extremely young at the tight end position. You know, Carson Tabarachi is going to be your oldest tight end in terms of class. And he just started playing the position in college this past year. So you're really light there. You do have some new guys coming in with Walter, Walter Matthews, Walker Lyons from the 2023 class. Joey Ocean, Joey Ocean is a, what we say on the composite two-star recruits, but Joey Olson is his name. You'll have those guys coming in to go with Kate Eldridge, and it's just a really, really young group. Without Lake McCree, I wish Lake a speedy recovery. Hopefully he can come back at the tail end of the season, but maybe you go in and get a transfer tight end just to help ease that that transition to this new era. You know, Jude Wolf is off to San Diego state. Uh, congrats to him for committing there, but yeah, there's, there's no experience there, no healthy experience right now. So I don't know if Lincoln Ryan is going to take a long, hard look at that or say, Hey, screw it. We're going to go with our young guys. I would assume you would want at least one veteran going to the big 10 season where you got to do a lot of blocking uh, down there. So I'm assuming they're going to maybe take a look at that position but I am interested to see how you mentioned the blocking, how more traditional tight ends look, such as Walter Matthews, who I think is can be an offensive tackle if he puts on enough weight. And then Walker Lyons, who's more of a traditional tight end body, with uh Joey Olson being more of a you know flex wide receiver, probably gonna be kind of a wide receiver for them next season. So interested to see what that tight end room looks like in terms of its youth in 2024 so stock down on the experience for them yeah they will have less than 60 total career snaps of offense and like 50 of that's Tabarachi. i think uh kate elder's got like 12 snaps in the game first first you know he made his debut yeah, very concerning and it also goes back to hey you you made deuce robinson on a wide receiver. So this year, maybe he could have been developing at the tight end spot, but you decided, Hey, he's more of a wide receiver. We're going there. So with one injury, that position is in a complete flex uh, or in flux, excuse me. And the question then becomes to me, do you even use the tight end? You know, does Lincoln Riley say, we'll, we'll use it. We'll have a handful of snaps for it for special occasion type thing. But is that going to be a regular part of our offense? You know, this year versus 2022, they used four wide receiver sets more frequently than they did last year. Now, I think that was part of the, the main reason they did that is because, hey, we want to get Zachariah Branch and Taj Washington and Mario Williams on the field. We want to get those slot guys. We got to have more spots for them. So we're going to use four wide receivers more frequently that way. With the numbers in the wide receiver room, though, the question is, can you do that? Because you know you're going to have to add some more bodies, especially with the news coming out today that you have another player entering the transfer portal. Uh, so you know the the way they've kind of gone about things, um, you know, with a couple of guys going to the portal, the couple of guys taking off uh, for the NFL. There's not a ton of numbers at the wide receiver position either. 
and they haven't gone into the portal and gotten anyone except for a Division three transfer, which pretty high on, actually. But are they going to go to the transfer portal and start looking for more guys there? You know, they did offer Silas Bolden from Oregon State. That's an intriguing name. Play with C.J. Stroud or Rancho Cucamonga. I know him uh, or I've seen him play a few times in his high school career and stuff. So we'll see what they do there. But, you know, I, I had stocked down on wide receiver questions for 2024. But wide receiver depth is still an issue there. So there is a question there. But as far as like, oh, everyone's leaving, who's going to be, who are they going to throw to? I think those freshmen stepped up and showed you something there. I would agree on all those accounts with the wide receivers. You you need some more depth coming in to USC, given the losses that you've had. I've stocked down on Will Howard as the Big Ten savior talk. It, it was just hilarious, the flip of Will Howard's coming, Will Howard's coming. Holiday Bowl happens, and it's like, okay, pull Will Howard's scholarship offer from USC. Just pull it. We don't need him. Get out of here, Will. Will who? I've never heard of him. So it was just funny seeing that that flip from USC fans. And it's interesting because now everyone's like, give Miller a job. Having thought about it more, I would say Miller Moss has earned the right to be considered the QB one for next season. Now he has to go obviously go out and compete and win the job for whoever is in that room and compete against them. But USC still needs to bring in some depth for the room because it's Miller Moss and Jake Jensen. And that's it. You need at least one more person and you need them to have some experience. So Lincoln Riley joked that, you know, Miller Moss probably scared off anyone who was thinking of coming to USC and I think he meant that in terms of someone who wanted to start next season, a.k.a. Will Howard. So, yeah, I don't think their chances of getting a top-level guy who can start for multiple teams in the country, I don't think that – I think that ship has sailed given what Miller Moss did. Now I think you have to transition to maybe getting an older guy who I don't want to say wants to start, but a guy who – knows kind of what his role is and maybe that's a backup maybe it's a guy who wants to get into coaching later and learn from lincoln riley and be in that room and be a dependable backup i think that's where you kind of have to pivot so that's why i'm going stock down on will howard being the savior for next season kind of talk i think miller moss has earned the right to be considered the guy given how the team and the fans have rallied around him the real question is does mo hassan have a 12th year of eligibility I mean, I would look it up. I would look it up. I would certainly look it up. I think after seven years, I think he's probably done. Uh, but no, like you're going to need someone who's been a spot starter at some point and but was mostly a backup during his career, whether that be because of injuries or whatever. Like That's probably your best bet. And that's probably Chandler Morris is the name that's been most frequently kind of thrown out there. Did uh, start his career with Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. Um, you know, son of a coach, all those type of things got beat out the last two years because of injuries at TCU uh, and, you know, started the season both years as the starter. So that's probably a best bet, you know, right now, just of the names that are out there, or you hope someone comes loose after the spring period, you know, that's the possibility because the, otherwise the names out there, like even Will Howard is not a marquee name to me. Like I, I just, 
you know, he's in that same classification to me from the, the bits that I've watched him. He was in the same classification as DJ Ongalele, uh, Ongalele is that he is a capable quarterback, but I don't think he's the guy that's going to win you the game. And so he's more of a, you know, at best he's a game manager. Don't throw interceptions, you know, hit the guys that are wide open and go from there. And Will Howard's a big dude and he can, you know, maybe break a tackle when you're running some QB power and stuff. But he, he didn't make a lot of guys miss. You know, the, there was that kind of narrative that, hey, you can run the ball and you can do some different things, but there weren't a lot of missed tackles on him type of thing. So he wasn't super elusive in the pocket. And, you know, maybe he would fit really well in Lincoln Riley's offense. Maybe we'll never know. You know, we'll see what happens with him going forward. But I didn't think he was necessarily the savior to begin with in that regard. Uh, I thought it would be a really good battle, actually, with him and Miller Moss. And we'll see, you know, how it plays out and if Miller Moss ends up being the quarterback or not. But, yeah, they definitely do need to add some depth there for sure. A couple other stock downs that I had um, were on the player side. Anthony Lucas still couldn't get on the field, um, even when they were putting more down linemen on the field in this game. You know, more base sets where they had five guys up front, you know, three three true defense tackles we saw for the first time, really. Um, and then, you know, two outside linebackers. He only got nine snaps in this game. You know, I, I, he's a guy to keep an eye on. You know, it was a, not – I don't know the best way to put it. I wouldn't have been surprised if I saw his name go in the transfer portal in the last couple of days just because of the two-time uh, opening up the possibility of guys transferring again and the fact that he didn't get play time in the stretch. Now, hopefully – He's talked with Denton Lynn. They have a plan going forward that's going to unlock him because I think he has huge potential, but they were not able to un, you know, unlock it at all this season. So that's something that's going to be one of the guys that would be a key to me for Denton Lynn coming in. Uh, stock down Keon Bars. He got more playing time in this game. Didn't really see much from him either. Just unfortunate that it never really worked out for him. Either one of the Arizona guys, him or Dorian Singer, and Dorian Singer enters the transfer portal just – thought they would come in and make more of an impact and neither one of them really did. And the singer didn't necessarily fit the offense. This, you know, he's more of a, if Matt Fink was still the quarterback and you were doing some YOLO raid, I think Dorian singer would have had some big numbers because it was 50, 50 balls, throw it up. He wasn't a guy that was, you know, creating a ton of separation and, you know, Caleb Williams wasn't throwing balls into super tight windows. If he didn't have to, because he could create and, create more time for his wide receivers to then be wide open at times. So just never worked out for either one of those Arizona guys. So a little bit disappointing for them, but at least they did go out on a win uh, to end their time at USC. And the last one I had was actually on the other end of Keon Bars, him being a senior, his season, his career being over the young bucks, Alani Noah and Amos Telele. So Alani Noah, we thought, Hey, okay, this is a good opportunity to get him some playing time, right? Never happened. Amos Telelele and Linoa both started on the the kick unit, you know, the field goal, extra points. They played the first two snaps. Dennis Lynch misses the field goal and then the first extra point. And then they were removed from those because both of those guys, Telelele in particular, Louisville tried to attack him right beside the, the, the long snapper. And they really like shoved him back. And I don't, I guess the USC coaching staff was like, all right, this could be dangerous. So they put Justin Dedich and Emmanuel Pregnant in the game. Now, why does that even stand out even more? Justin Dedich has not played a single snap of special teams on any of the kick units. 
the centers, you, this is just what happens with centers, you know, because you have a long snapper in there, the centers usually get the, you know, those snaps off. So he hasn't played at all in the kick units. Now he did last year as a guard and all that type of stuff. So it's not like it was some foreign concept or anything, but definitely stood out when I saw him in there and I was just like, whoa, what's Justin Didis doing in there? And then when I went back and watched, I saw that Alainoa and Telele got the first two snaps on the kick unit and then got taken off. And we didn't see him again the rest of the game. We didn't see them at all, you know, on the offense at all. Telele, hey, it's good for him to get a couple snaps, get his feet wet. You wanted him to get, I think there were seven kick snaps. You want to give him all seven. And Alainoa just, such an interesting trajectory this season. Such an interesting, to start the season as a, the beginning of the year as a starter. And then apparently there's some off the field stuff, whether it be family stuff or whatever. Lincoln Riley never really explained what he meant by when he said those kind of comments. And then Josh Henson talks about, hey, he's, he's starting to build back up a little bit. We thought maybe we'd see him some in this bowl game, but that did not happen. So uh, both those guys got him on stock down as well. Send us a break. That's all I got. I know if you want to react to any of that, Chris, I gave you some last night. I don't know. Come on. Chris is like, I'm done. Just send us to break. Go on a break. I'm trying to save myself for the back half of this because it's going to be rough. All right, Chris, we're going to break. You guys enjoy your time off. Chris, you're not going to get joy anymore. Now, because you said that, you're not going to get joy. We'll be back after the, these messages from our sponsors. Make sure you check those guys out as well. Uh, and then we'll have questions. Your guys' questions, we'll be answering as many as we can here. And we'll give ourselves a time limit and get out of here so that Chris can get to sleep because it is late for him. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Helium Boys podcast, a serious, non-serious USC podcast. Make sure you guys are liking, subscribing, sharing, doing all those things, and leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast listening platform. We appreciate those. It helps us grow the podcast even more. So we can get more questions from you guys when we put out the flyer, we put up the bat signal, the Helium Boys signal to send us your questions. What do you want to know about USC football, USC basketball, baseball, whatever it is. We'll try to answer as many as we can. So, Chris, jump us into it. Let's go straight into questions. Before this happens, I just want to defend myself from the first half of the show at the end there. I just want to let you know that I have a lot of take it or leave it to get through. Oh, and wow. I have and I have 10 Miller Moss nicknames that I need you to take it or leave it as well. And I ha- we haven't even got to talk about the greatest bowl game ever, the Pop-Tarts Bowl. So there's a lot more 
stuff to talk about. So I'm just trying to move with some pace, Jocelyn. That's all I'm talking about. All right, Chris, you want to move with pace, and yet you put none of this stuff on the rundown. So how am I supposed to know? Let's get into questions. I keep it all Let's in, go. I keep it all in secret. Anthony in L.A., was there any reason why Alani Noah didn't get more reps or he didn't see a significant amount of time and he clarified in the ball game? Yeah, I don't really have an answer for you as to why Alani Noah didn't get more time. I figured he was going to get, you know, some time in the rotation. I didn't expect him to start. I know they were trying out this new uh, alignment with uh, Jonah Monheim in the middle and Emmanuel Pregnant staying where he, where he usually is. So I expected him to rotate in. You know, Mason Murphy was rotating in. And a lot of you know is obviously someone they want to build to the future with. But yeah, I don't have a clear-cut reason as to why he didn't get more playing time in this one. Yeah, it it didn't seem like they really were like, all right, we're going full in on, we're going to play all the freshmen. You know, if that was the case, I actually thought we'd see more of someone like Quentin Joyner. He's in the rotation. You're going to use more than one back, but they barely used him in this game. So that was a little bit surprising to me. Now, they used the receivers. You know, they kind of split 50-50, the old guys, the young guys. Um, but those young guys have been in the mix a little bit more, so there are no new guys that really broke in to the rotations other than Elijah Page. And I think that tells us more about Elijah Page than any of the other guys, but also kind of tells you – the mindset of the coaches going into this game that they weren't treating it as a spring game, a chance to get young guys more time. They were going in to win and try to have the springboard in the off season. Now I argued for the counter of that in our previous episodes about, you know, bringing in Denton Lynn and letting him just run it and just treat it completely as a spring camp and try to, to move towards 2024. I'm not changing my mind on that. But I'm going to say that it definitely has worked in their favor that they attacked this game the way they did and have a bunch of momentum going forward. Now, I didn't think they could come together to play the way they did, so I felt like it was going to be a fruitless endeavor. But that shows you the talent that is still on this roster if they play for each other and you know they, they play together and they do their fundamentals. Like Those are the things that have been missing – and we wonder, all right, they have enough talent. Oh, they don't have a true nose tackle. They can still get by if they play together. Now, do they need to get a nose tackle? Do they need to get some other things? Yes. But they still should be in every game. Should Still should have won a game like a Washington. Should have won a Utah. Those type of games are still winnable if they were doing the things they were doing in the Holiday Bowl, straining for each other a little bit more uh, than what we saw in some of those games earlier in the season. Mana Troy asks, was Coach Lynn at the game? I don't have a definitive answer for this. I saw someone post a photo like Danton Lynn is in the middle of the field during warmups, but it was a very, it was a picture from very far away and it just looked a, like a random coach. So I, I can't say for sure if he was there or he wasn't there. I did not see him. I personally did not see him on the field. Maybe he was in the stands watching. I don't know what the rule is. NCAA wise, if he could be on the field at that point, maybe he was up in a in a box, but I cannot say for sure if he was there or not. So I looked after the game on the broadcast, at least during the celebration, to see to see any new faces, see anyone standing out. I uh, didn't did not see him or uh, Belk or Ince um, down there, the new defensive coaches 
from my viewing. Now, they could have not been on the broadcast, or there's a possibility I just didn't recognize them because Lynn's the only one that I really know is faced well so far out of those three. But did not see them on the broadcast either. I don't know if you were looking for them after the game that way. I thought that would probably be the best spot to catch them because I don't think they could be on the field coaching in the same regard um, as as you would during next season. No, I didn't see them down there. And it's very chaotic down there, so everything kind of blends together. But I did not see them, anybody. I didn't see Coach Belk or Lynn or Matt Entz. I still haven't seen Matt, Matt Entz. I think he's still at the beach. I think he's still posted <laughs> up at the beach after moving from uh, North Dakota. Uh, M. Mosley wants to know, what's the status of Sierra Wright? Yeah, it's been a big mystery with Sierra. There has been no official update. I reported, you know, in the war room several weeks back that there is, uh, I, I can't really get into specifics, but there is something going on, you know, kind of off the field with him going. Uh, and as far as his status, you know, the latest update was what Lincoln Riley gave was that he's not with the team right now. So I wouldn't personally bank on Sierra Wright being, you know, on the roster next season, whether that's through the portal or something, I don't know. We'll see if things change, but I'm operating in my mind with assuming with the, the, the sense that he's going to, to be a departure from this team. So we'll have to see what happens with him, but yeah, there's no clear indication of what's going on with him. Just that he is not currently with the team. Next question comes from Ben. Can you give a detailed breakdown of USC's NIL and how it compares to other programs? Also, I hear they don't offer NIL to high school recruits. Can you explain why not? If that policy will change in the future, Ben, Ben, I just want to say straight up. I appreciate the question, but you were asking the wrong podcast (laughs) to do a detailed breakdown of USC's NIL. There is a, there is however, a podcast on our network that there is a, special uscfootball.com analyst who will do a breakdown and has done a breakdown of USC's NIL. His name is Gerard Martinez. You can find that podcast on that podcast is, excuse me, the composite two-star recruits and Gerard Martinez will ramble and ramble about USC NIL. So I cannot give you a detailed breakdown on this show, but what I can say is that it does trend that USC is not in the game of paying high school recruits. Why? You know, I cannot say for sure. Either that's a philosophical decision to not pay because of what it could do to a locker room or because of the fear of what the NCAA could later enforce down the road because there are clearly teams and programs that are doing that across the country. You don't have to look hard to find them. We call them the five families of NIL, and that family group is growing. So they are doing it. It is happening. But USC does not want to play that game. They're going to pay. They're going to pay transfers out of the transfer portal, proven commodities out of the transfer portal. It doesn't mean they're not giving NIL to freshmen. They are, but they're not doing the, quote, pay for play as it is, you know, worked around in the NIL era. So there are a couple of different reasons as to why that's not going on. But if you want to know more about that, I I have to point you to the direction of the composite two-star recruits. 
I will say that uh, talking with coaches, both in football and other sports, a lot of coaches outside of USC think USC is paying a lot of money. Now, that's not necessarily to high school players, but they're taking care of their players. The outside perspective is for sure that USC is taking care of players on its roster. Now, maybe that's because Caleb Williams has 95 endorsements because he was the face of college football coming into the season. Maybe that's all everyone's seeing. I don't know. But it seems like there hasn't – we haven't heard any rumblings, at least I have not. I don't know about you, Chris. But I have any rumblings behind the scenes of I'm not getting paid what I was told I was going to get paid type of things, mm-hmm. which you're hearing those at yeah. more than one place elsewhere. Those Those type stories are popping up not infrequently at other schools, uh, whereas USC, that's not been the case. So that's the difference in USC strategy as far as going, you know, pay for play. They're, they're not willing to do that. And, you know, you got to get on campus. You got to actually start doing stuff. You do your community events, those type of things before you get paid. Whereas other places is like, oh, you get a signing bonus. Next question comes from Andy. If it was your choice, do you entrust Miller Moss or pick up another experienced QB in the portal? There is only one right answer, says Andy. I already gave my point in the first half. I think Miller Moss would be my choice going forward next year. I mean, obviously, again, still needs to earn it in spring and in fall against whoever he competes against. But Miller Moss, I'd be throwing my chips in for him to be QB1 in 2024. Yeah, he, he's the, the best of the bunch right now. Uh, we'll see if anybody else's name comes, but USC definitely still needs to get a quarterback. It doesn't even have to be an experienced quarterback, to be honest. If they can get a talented young guy, you know, an elite 11 guy that's gone somewhere and not got any playing time and wants, you know, is not happy because they don't have a freshman in this class. And that's the big issue. You know, if they had DJ Lagway coming in or Dylan Rayola, it'd be a much different feeling about going into the spring with three scholarship quarterbacks instead of two. Another question here. Oh, sorry. And a bonus question he had is Snickers Snickers bars or Reese's peanut butter cups. If I'm eliminating one for the rest of my life, I'm keeping Reese's peanut butter cups. That's how I'm looking at it. Shotgun. I would agree with that. However, I would actually cheat and say that I love the peanut butter Snickers probably the most. Oh, I was not aware that this thing exists. Oh, yes. Yes. I was not aware that this existed. I'm sorry. I, I didn't rapper. know. Okay. Okay. Uh, Gustavo, friend of the show, has a Pop-Tarts Bowl question, but I'm going to save that okay. for later. But he also asked, also, do you guys know if USC is trying to retain guys in the transfer portal? I don't have a firm say on any of those guys, but for the most part, you know, when a guy enters the portals because they've already had their – their meeting with head coach Lincoln Riley, you know, plans were laid out, plans weren't laid out, honesty was given. So if they're if for the most part, if they're entering the portal, you know, that's kind of it. That's the done deal. And maybe, you know, USC will circle back if that person still doesn't have a home. You know, a guy like Tackett Curtis, you know, I, I would feel like they would try to keep him around. But for the most part, I would say the majority of them, there there isn't any attempt really to retain any of those guys. 
I mean, the guy I would go after would be Michael Jackson as well as Taggart Curtis. Yes. And yes. Then, Michael Jackson is up there on my list. And then Tarquin on the offensive line, especially if Jonah Monheim goes in, you're going to be losing even more experience. I know that people are upset that I said that was a big loss, but especially if you lose Jonah Monheim, like just no experience coming back. So they need someone from the portal or to bring him back, you know, so unlikely he's coming back, but they need transfer portal additions there to, to add some experience. Which is another reason hey. why I would love to have gotten a line, know a little bit more playing time, but. Okay. Uh, Matt asked a slew of questions. I don't know if we can do them all, but screw it. Let's just try to do them all. Rapid fire. Here we go. Uh, One, Holiday Bowl played at Pepco Park. Weird? Yes or no? For me, it wasn't weird. It was not. I'm going to say no. I liked it. I've been to Pepco Park for several events, um, baseball events. I've never been there for football. However, I have been to a stadium, baseball stadium, AT&T, when USC played in the Emerald Bowl against Boston College in Pete Carroll's final game. Um, It was definitely weird, the fact that you're in the outfield covering a game. And in that game, all everything was on one sideline. Both teams, all the reporters. Uh, I don't know how that experience was for you. I know it was a little interesting seeing the trucks there. I know they had the tailgating thing where the trucks were out on the field behind one of the benches. So it's just unique. I don't know if I would say weird. I think, and that's fun in college football. As long as there's space, as long as you don't do it in Wrigley and you have to go one direction because no one wants to run into an Ivy brick wall. Ivy covered brick wall. Two, who wins a home run derby from the USC football roster? I would assume Douche Robinson. Yeah. No doubt. He has, he was comp to Aaron Judge coming out of high school. So, I don't know know who else would even be in the competition there. You know, who can swing a bat with fluidity? Uh, I, Anthony Lucas, I guess, is would be my second pick. You know, he's claimed to be a baseball guy, so I would say him. I would say him as my as if I have to pick someone other than Deuce right. Robinson. Big strong guy. Uh, three, give me walk up music for three players of choice. Uh, this is not one I can answer off the top of my head. This is also not really one I can answer off the top of my head as well. I. And you're the baseball guy, so this would be more up your alley. But I really don't have the brain capacity to pick three players and come up with three songs. Maybe I'll circle back for one of them, but I'm moving on to question four. What's football equivalent of a corked bat? Well, it's uh, deflated footballs. Deflated balls. Deflated footballs. Yeah, yeah that, that's an easy one. That's an easy one. Uh, number five, San Diego Mexican food versus L.A. Mexican food. Ooh, that is a great question i don't like fish tacos i don't like seafood but so i think that's where san diego really shines from what everyone says but i think i still go san diego mexican food i mean i love me the uh the cali burrito you know the first time i went to san diego my buddy made me stop at this place to get you know an authentic cali burrito in san diego and it was great but i love me some L.A. street tacos, you know, those are just high key hit for me. So it's very close, but I would say L.A. Mexican for me. Uh, guys, we don't have to fight. I'll take both. Yeah. Especially here in New Jersey where there is not Mexican food worth it. That's that's tough. 
That's tough shotgun. That's why I ate eighteen dollars worth of street tacos last time I was in town. He was trying to. He should freeze dry some of them and take them back with you on the plane. (laughs) Try that, baby. That's gonna do it for all the questions, and I'm saving the Gustavo one to pop us off into the pop tart bowl talk a little bit later in the show. Shotgun. Chris, uh, Jared wanted to know any interest in the starting center for Bama who just entered the portal. I'm sure USC would have interest, especially right now with the fact that Killian O'Connor is the next guy um, up with Justin Needis graduating. And then Keith asked, uh, just DM'd, said, any shot USC makes the NCAA tournament? And right now, I don't see how that happens. They don't play enough defense. Ooh. So USC basketball and USC football have the same problem? It's very similar, you know, ton of expectations and stuff and just not playing as a, a as a cohesive unit and on the defensive side in particular. Uh, the defense has been very bad for USC. I mean, against Cal tonight, they gave up – Cal shot like 52% in the second half. Cal's not a very good basketball team. And that's been pretty consistent for USC, unfortunately. All right, Shotgun. I'm taking over right now from the hosting duties because we're going to go to take it or leave it. And if you could, I got a couple here. I got more than a couple, but if you could hit me with some pace, that'd be great. Okay. That'd be great, shotguns. So let's, okay. Uh, There's been this talk of this this bowl game um, fix to give them more meaning. And that is uh, bowl games played at the start of your season for next year. Take it or leave Uh, it. it. No, just leave it. Like, what, are you suddenly going to have USC playing Louisville at the beginning of the next year to start the season? Is that what we mean? Yes. Like, yes. We, because of what they did last year, this is who matches up. No, I, I like the, you know, the scheduling of games so people can be hyped up about. All right, we're going to USC's going to Ole Miss in two years or three years, whatever it is now. Like, I'm okay with that. I don't think that is the right fix. Uh, there's another fix, but we'll see if you get to it. You believe it? Miller Moss is the starting quarterback against LSU in 2024. Take it until I see something different. All right. Take it or leave it. One of USC's heralded rising sophomores, you know, the quartet, is a thousand yard receiver next season. I'm going to leave it just because USC struggled so hard to get to a thousand yards this year with someone and didn't make it the, the previous year either. So they spread the ball out a ton, which makes it a little bit more difficult and injuries can happen. All those things. I'm going to leave it for now. You're going to leave it. Elijah page is the starting left tackle. Take it. Okay. Okay. Take it or leave it. If USC had gotten the holiday bowl, USC defense, it would have played for the Pac-12 title. Ooh, now that's a great question there, Chris. If they would have tackled, how many more games do they win? I think it's basically what it's basically what it boils down to. Um, I said two more games. I said they win two at least two more games. I was going to put this on Twitter, but then they would fight each other. They for sure win the Utah game. Yeah, Yeah. that's a kick difference. Probably win. The Washington game? I mean, Washington wins yeah. every close game, so that's hard to say. But, you know, with a couple different tackle breaks, you know. So that's the two for sure. Now, how does that shake out the standings? Where are they at in the Oregon game? They weren't that far away in the Oregon game either. 
They tackle a little better than Oregon game. It's it's closer. It's a little bit closer. You know, they I mean, give you're those not big giving plays. up ninety yard touchdowns on yeah. play one or whatever. Then yeah, <laughs> could change the complexion of it. I, I in Austin, I still didn't think they were going to win. So I'll say they lose that, and because of that, they would still have you know US, UCLA just trounced them. So there's no chance in that game. Um, so I think they still have too many losses. I think Washington and Oregon still would make it. But it would have been a lot more fun season for sure. There you go. Final take it or leave it. USC hoops will finish with a better record than UCLA. <laughs> Teams are fighting for the bottom right now. Uh, I'll take it because there's more talent on USC and they can actually play offense. But uh, it's going to be a battle of wills in the uh, the Crosstown Showdown games. I was actually thinking of coming earlier in the season. I was thinking about coming out for those because they match up well. Um, with women's basketball weekends, but I don't know if Ryan's going to foot that bill, so uh, probably not going to happen this time. Okay. Shotgun, you got through. Take it or leave it. Let's go to overtime, which is all about Miller Moss. Like now, the Rose Bowl. We're going to overtime, like, baby. Going to overtime. Miller was asked about Miller time, the <laughs> famous saying, and he said, you know, I think we could be more creative. Shotgun, what I heard is Chris Trevino, I want you to be more creative for your next segment of overtime on a serious, non-serious USC podcast, Helium Boys. So I have 10 nicknames here, technically nine, because I just want your take it or leave it on the original nickname. So let's let's run through these nicknames, and they're all very simple. But I just I just need to know, Shotgun. I need to know what you're thinking about these. Uh so we're gonna start with uh Miller Time. Take it or leave it. The 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 original, the OG. I mean, I think you still have to take it. I don't think that should be the primary one, but people are still going to have the signs. You have the easy, easy NIL opportunity there. Like, that has yeah. to happen, right? Though I know they don't want them to do alcohol and stuff, but they, does Miller Miller Light have, or Miller have a, uh, a non-alcoholic beard these days? I'm sure they do. So you got to make that happen, right? I would assume so. I would assume so. It's right there. It's right there for the taking. Get this man paid. Let's go. Okay, next one. Miller Moss, the boss. Like Bruce Springsteen. Okay. Too long. Uh, Okay, too long for you. Let's just cut it down to Miller Boss. Still believe it. Okay, he still (laughs) hates it. Okay. Uh, Killer Moss. So I think you have to fight with Sua over this. I think Sua... Uh, on the pregame show said something like this and was saying that when he saw the tweet about the Miller time said, see, I told you it should be killer Moss, but I like it. I like it. Both of you guys can have credit in my book. I will take that one. It's a leader. So I just want to, I don't want to beef with Sua. I didn't see any of that. That was thought of independently in my own head separately. I'm not, I'm not discrediting his claim that he took it first. I'm just saying I came up with it independently of on my own when I wrote about it in Ghost Notes, but Shotgun likes it. He's taking it. Okay, Miller, work work with me on this one. Right. Miller missed me with that shit. <laughs> it's because I keeps autocorrecting to Miller miss on Twitter, and it drives me crazy. So Miller missed me with that shit. 
<laughs> I like uh, where you're going there, but I'm leaving it uh, again okay. way too long. Um, okay. But also, you don't want miss in the name of a kicker sure. or a quarterback. Sure, sure. Okay. What if he misses the interception? Uh, okay. Next one. Uh, Money Favorite Moss. kicker name Johnny Wideright. You know. Okay. <laughs> Famously, Money Moss. No, it's too too simplistic. That one's okay. Next one, Killamilla Moss. Uh, no, I liked Killer Moss a little bit more, so leave that okay. one. Okay, leave it. He's just it's a, it's a worse example of Killer Moss. Uh, we have Miller Thriller. That's fine, but leave it. Okay, what about Thriller Moss? No. You already okay. have Michael Jackson on the team. So if he was throwing it to Michael Jackson, then we can bring it in. Somebody get Michael Jackson back in the fold. And just a rough count going into the final one, you have only taken two of them. So uh yeah, the OG and... and Killer Moss. And then this one is not a playoff his name, but it's a playoff the fact that he grew up a USC fan. This is what he's always wanted to be the starting quarterback at USC and lead the program. So this is what I got. The Trojan one. I like the the wordplay. Like where I was going. Yeah, but I'm still gonna leave it. I like okay. the idea <laughs> okay, okay. of having he, something like, like the heritage or something. I don't know. Uh, you know, it mixes heritage hall, the fact that he grew up a USC fan. I don't know, something like that. Um, but also Miller's gotta have more than one game, but to get the the Trojan one or the heritage. Like, I feel like those are very lofty names. Like in the lineage of USC, you got to do a little bit more than just one game to get one of those. Okay. Well, if they bi- win the big 10 title, I'm calling him the Trojan one and no one can take it away from me. All right. I'm, I won't stop you there. If he gets a, a championship, you know, of some sort, then, then we can, we can reassess, you know, some of these. Okay. And the final one, which is not related to nicknames. The Pop-Tarts Bowl should be in the New York Six. The New York Six? Sorry, New New Year's New Six. <laughs> My brain is is melted at this point. Is it in the New York Six shotgun? <laughs> With the pinstripe bowl and the... Yeah. <laughs> There's got to um, be another bowl out there. Aren't we getting away from the New Year's Six with this? Like... Sure. The real question you want to know is, should we give more love to the Pop-Tarts Bowl? Should it be elevated to an even higher level? And the answer is obviously yes. 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 It was fantastic. It was also uh, macabre at the same time. I love it. (laughs) Give me more. Give me more macabre. Dreams do come true. Throw the sign away. (laughs) And go in and be melted by a by a toaster a smile on his face it's what he wanted shotgun it's it's don't you believe in anything believe in a man's dream believe in that frosted baked goods dream to be eaten by the winning team of the pop tarts bowl very much reminded me of forky in toy story 4 throwing himself from the car sure sure same trash same 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 vibe, same theme. 
whatever. Pop Tarts Bowl, if you're listening, I just want to say Shotgun and I were in on this early. It went, it was a viral smash, as you know, Shotgun. The memes are hot in 2024. They were hot right after the game. We bought plenty of stock in the Pop Tarts <laughs> Bowl. We are cashing out, Shotgun. We have plenty of liquid funds going on here after after we bought all that stock. So I just want to say, if the Pop-Tarts Bowl want to fly me and Shotgun out to host a pregame of any sorts, we'll do it. We're in. We'll do it. You can pay me and Pop-Tarts. Shotgun will probably want more money. He's got a mortgage, you know, so he would probably actually want money. But I would take it for Pop-Tarts, baby. I did like the, uh, you, you saw the press box spread of just multiple boxes of, of Pop-Tarts. And you get to try all the different flavors. Like, it sounds amazing. Get me there. Get me there. Chris, I have to ask, how was the holiday spread, holiday bowl spread, after, uh, you know, I saw Antonio's tweet of how he was, you know, devastated that you guys weren't at the Cotton Bowl just for the candy wall. The snack wall at the Cotton Bowl is elite. I will say that. I stole so much candy. I stole like $5,000 worth of candy. I brought that with me all over the state of Texas. But the food at the Holiday Bowl was great. The mac and cheese is some of the best mac and cheese I've ever had. It was great. And everything was great. Even the soda machines worked well after the game. It was me and Keely. We're the only people still working up in the Petco press box. And the soda machine still worked. You would have loved that shotgun. Yes, the lemonade one sprayed all over me at the end there. But I still got what I wanted, which was a sugar which was a sugar boost from the the lemonade. So, yeah, it, it was great all around. Did you get sprayed with lemonade? Was it you or Connor that gets lost in the, the bowels of Petco trying to get back to that the That was me. Box? That was also me. That was also me. Oh, my goodness. Can't take you guys anywhere. Though, I, as I tweeted at the time, I did happen to walk onto the field at Petco randomly when I attended a game just, just as a fan. Just went down a staircase and turned one way, and suddenly I was on the field. You know, I was like, well, how did yeah. this even happen? But, you know, of course I went out and checked everything out. Make sure it was okay. Yeah. Make sure the field was still in pristine condition. That, that sounds like you. Uh, one addition I wanted to make on the Pop-Tarts thing. Do you think they have to do, for next year, a different Pop-Tart flavor? Like, they can't oh. bring back the same guy, right? It's got to be a new victim. I mean, new mascot. Yes, it has to be a different flavor. Um, also, I was a little disappointed in the not being edible, the live mascot not truly sure, being edible. Sure, sure. They kind of they kind of pulled the wool over our eyes there a little bit, but yeah. it was still fantastic having True. a giant toaster and then lowering mm. him in. The the spectacle of it made up for that. But Pop Tarts will you hear me? You need to go bigger next year. Go bigger. Make that make that bad boy be able to run, and you chase him down the the field. You start him at the fifth or the the end zone, and then you give him like a twenty five yard head start, and then you send those those that winning team after him, and they they just rip him apart right there on the field. That's what I want to see next year. I feel like this should be like a Food Network baking show competition. Like right. we have to create an edible mascot that that someone can wear the costume and still be edible. Like that's got to happen next now. 
or put it on like bring back Mythbusters to make it work. I don't know. <laughs> they can they could jerry rig anything to make that happen. And yeah, you're right. They have a million baking shows for every GD event. Flag Day Bake Off. I don't care. Have the next Pop Tarts Bowl mascot bake off. Like I would watch the crap out of that. Let's go. It's just, it. Let's get the partnership going. Make it happen. Brick Blueberry better be the next one or that old school one with the purple and blue way from the early 2000s. Wildberry. Yeah. I sent you Make a it picture happen. of it when I saw it in the store. What what he said. What he said. It's probably uh, going to be s'mores, though. Uh, you got to go brown cinnamon. Um, Chris, I have one last question to ask you about the holiday bowl, about bowl yeah. season. Let's do it. Is what did you think of the eggnog pour? Should the holiday no. bowl keep that or should they, was it, you know, they were trying too hard. What was your interpretation? What did you think of Lincoln Riley covered in eggnog? Everyone that knows me knows I love a good gimmick. I love a good bit. And I know every bowl is in search of their bit or gimmick. You know, the Mayo bowl has the Mayo dump. Pop-Tarts bowl has the greatest gimmick of all time. Cheez-Its bowl had the Cheez-Its room or whatever. So it's fun to dump the the head coach or pour whatever on him. I forgot what bowl it was. I think it was the Tony the Tiger where they had like the wet cereal and they tried to dump it. That was terrible. Frosted, uh, Frosted Flakes. Was it? I didn't yeah. realize it was wet. Maybe it rained. I, th- I think they kept it. I think they kept it in a cooler with ice or something because I think there was milk in it. I don't know. They didn't want the milk to be hot, which, you know, hot milk, you know, that's not a that's not a great combination. Those aren't great <laughs> words to have next to each other. Um, but I I did like it, but I just didn't think it was fitting of the direct TV holiday bowl. If they really wanted to keep in the spirit of the direct TV holiday bowl, they would have poured a Gatorade tub of those direct tv remotes you know those remotes with the white top everyone who had a direct tv knows what the heck i'm talking about they would have dumped a bunch of those on him that would have been in the spirit of the direct tv holiday bowl eggnog is fine i guess you're going off the holiday portion of it but if you really wanted to be all in direct tv you would have done the gosh darn remotes I thought you were going to say they should have dropped a satellite on him. You know, no, like, that that would have been too. What am I crazy? Shotgun. I thought you were going Acme style, and you're going to go Roadrunner, Wiley Coyote. We're just going to oh, and he like, drop he a sinks into the he, he sinks into the field in the shape of a uh, his his outline with the with the giant uh, anvil print on him. Yeah, so to be a satellite on, shotgun. I know this is a serious, non-serious <laughs> USC podcast, but I try to be serious sometimes, Shotgun. I try to be serious sometimes, but in the end, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Keep doing it. Dunk more coaches and stuff is what I'm saying. Chris, what were your overall thoughts on the bowl season? We had two really pretty good um, semifinal games. No Florida State. Georgia demolishes Florida State. Rose Bowl was pretty good. Overtime, not the greatest gameplay leading up to overtime from what I was told. I didn't watch anything until the last couple minutes. And then the Sugar Bowl was fantastic with Washington winning. And how about Londell's own uh, Elijah Jackson? 
How about that Lawndale team? Tuli Tuli Pelotu, Elijah Jackson. Uh, there's another Jaylen quarterback. Daniels. Uh, Mikhail Easton that's up at Washington as well. Jalen Daniels, quarterback of Kansas. That team had talent. Jordan Wilmore, the running back. Um, so, you know, all those guys making an impact at, at the college level. And that was a terrific pass breakup there. But what's just overall thoughts on the bowl season? Now all the actual bowls are over and there's only the championship game remaining. That's great. I love bowl season. Always fun. Obviously, the Pop-Tarts Bowl is what made this one special. That was also really fun. Maryland stomped on Auburn, so I was very mm-hmm. happy. Third straight bowl win for my Terps. Let's go. First time that's ever happened. So I don't know if that's the first time it's ever happened, but first time it's ever happened in a long, long time. But shout out to Mike Loxley and my Dirty Terps. Getting it done. Getting it done three times in a row. You know, feels great. And yeah, we got two really good games in the the semifinals. Obviously, that last one was a real fun one, real uh, nail biter there at the end, which shouldn't have been a nail biter. Uh, but shout out to Washington, shout out to Raylan Goforth playing for a national championship, former USC linebacker. Very happy for them. I personally will be rooting for Washington. Uh, I think it's going to be the funniest thing ever if the Pac-12 wins the national championship in the final season of the Pac-12's existence. But I'm a little worried that we got two really good games in the semifinals. So that means we're going to get a dud of a national championship game. That's what I'm worried of. But, you know, I got I got the Huskies, baby. Let's go Huskies. Go on the underdog. Two best teams made it. Two undefeated programs. We're going to get an undefeated national championship. So much fun. And, Chris, you, you asked about moving the bowl games before the season. So the other thing I've seen thrown about, and I will not, this is, I cannot take credit for this being my idea, but just move the awards until after the bowl season. I mean, if you're a Heisman Trophy contender, are you going to sit out? Really? I know that your future is the NFL. I know you're going to make money, but even if you're Caleb Williams last year, if it was this year, like, and you're the projected number one pick, like, you still got to play, right? Like, because then if you're voting for the Heisman, you know you're docking somebody if they don't play in the bowl game. Like, right? So it seems like a pretty simple little move of the calendar that really doesn't affect anything else besides that you have those the, – The re, part of the reason why the bowl – I mean, the awards are during December is because, okay, kids are out of class, so you know we're going to bring in a bunch of people or, whatever, or a bunch of players and stuff. You can still do that in January. They can take a day off from class. They can take a weekend off. They're good. Um, you know, so – I think it's a pretty simple fix that might include more players participating. Maybe not, but I think you would have at least some players that are in contention that are finalists for those awards be like, I want to make my mark in that last game to make sure that I win that award. So uh, that's something simple that I saw, but I think it could be something, uh, a good idea that going forward that could be implemented as well. Absolutely. I think, yeah, I think it should be at the end of the year. And if it was Michael Penix, you exactly. making some room room on your shelf for a nice shiny little Heisman. And Jaden Daniels would have played for LSU, so maybe he makes a big impact in that game to make it even more. But Penix was spectacular in that game, so the zip on the ball was, was fantastic. Looking forward to next week to see the National Championship game um, and hopefully not having to rush to the hospital like I did last year during the National Championship game. But luckily Ooh. it was uh, out, of, out of contention by halftime, so didn't miss much. Didn't miss much. And hopefully when we're back next week, we're going to do a full season look. If We're going to give out some season awards for the 2023 USC football season. So that should be fun. 
So awesome. I hope you can join us for that. All right, guys. Well, I have no shout-outs. I have no shout-outs. I just want to say no new purchases. So no new shout-outs for Helium Boys merch purchase. I just want to add that. I didn't forget. I'm just no shout-outs. For anyone that doesn't know what Chris is referencing, uh, he is shouting out anyone that purchases Helium Boys products from the peristyleshop.com. So you can go there if you really want to see one of our faces on your T-shirt or both of our faces and make that happen. I know we got a big rush for Christmas, but hey, guys, we want to, we want you guys to, to participate. We would love to to see our faces on your shirt as well. For That's going to wrap it up, though, for Chris. I'm Shotgun. This has been the Helium Boys podcast, a serious, non-serious USC podcast. We appreciate you all for listening, even if you don't agree with our Twitter takes for all you out there. We love you. We appreciate you, and we hope to see you next time on the Helium Boys podcast. Peace.